You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 through chapter 2, verse 5. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have, had, I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God stands forever. What's your preferred metaphor when it comes to the church? Like we talk about, you know, there's lots of, there's scriptural metaphors when it pictures what the church of Christ, what the church of God is. For many, we talk about the body, right? And we often talk about uh, because of spiritual gifts like the ear can't say to the eye that I have no need of you. So we talk about the church as a body. Sometimes it's the vine and the branches, right? The John chapter Six, chapter eight. Uh, unless you're connected to me, I think it's eight, maybe it's nine. Um, now I've got this out forever on record. I don't know where the vine and the branches are. It's one of them chapters in John. Anyway, that this connection of the vine and the branches that we have to stay vitally connected to uh, to Christ. Maybe it's the marriage covenant, like from Ephesians, which talks about how Christ and the church is like a husband and a wife, the groom and his bride. Maybe God's temple or city on a hill. Well, this morning. I want to give you a new metaphor for what the church is to be like, okay? And the metaphor that we're going to talk about this morning is the church is an Afghan blanket of love. An Afghan blanket of love. Do you guys know what an Afghan is? Okay, we all know what an Afghan is, right? It's, 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 the, it's the, you take these big balls of yarn. I know that's a bit ridiculous, the Afghan, but let me get to what we're talking about. That's, I think is what Paul is, is meaning. It's truly what he's talking about. This Afghans, they're varying in size, not, don't have to be a certain size, but you know, they're a throw blanket that you take these big piles of yarn, you crochet and knit and, and on and on and on and on until you end up with a big giant blanket. And sometimes this is done quite well. I've got a picture of a very pretty, there's, you know, nice purples and whites and there, that's an Afghan, right? And sometimes it's done in not so well. Uh, that's kind of more the traditional Afghan that we'd see. <laughs> and sorry if I'm hurting anyone's feelings there if you make an Afghan like this one. But, you know, this is, we have all sorts of different Afghans, and, and some of them are quite impressive, and some are just very thoughtful. Well, 
My, my great-grandma, Ethel Dolacek, always crocheted things. She went, for Christmas, you were just guaranteed to get some sort of a... You can take the afghan down off the screen. I won't make you stare at that the whole time. <laughs> at various times, you might get a blanket, you might get slippers, you might get who knows what, something that she had crocheted together, right? And then always doing these things and giving them away as gifts. I, my childhood was one that if you were in our living room, there was an afghan somewhere nearby on the back of the couch or somewhere that you could grab and, and, and cover, cover up with. Now, the band Weezer has a song. You didn't think I was going there. But the band Weezer has a, a song called The Sweater Song. And it's very popular if you grew up in the 90s. Uh, but it has this, the whole theme of the song is that basically the chorus goes that um, if you want to destroy my sweater, pull the, hold this thread as I walk away. And then that you will unravel then as the person walks away. If you just hold on to this simple thread, that the sweater, the afghan, the whatever, will be destroyed. You'll end up with just a big pile of yarn. But you know what? It doesn't really work that way. That's an inaccuracy in the Weezer song. Because you grab that yarn and you pull on it, what actually ends up happening? If you, if you just pull a random string, you end up with a bunch of knots. I mean, it doesn't really necessarily just come apart. Magically, you can't just walk away and unravel this thing. It's actually very well knotted together in the same way that when you have a loose string on your garment and you pull on it, it can create holes. But it doesn't just all of a sudden you keep going like this and it all falls to pieces. It's, it's very well interwoven. The pattern is of, is of a well-made afghan or garment or, or fabric is intricate and interwoven that it takes far more than that to really undo it because it is woven together. It is knit together. And this is the image that, that Paul is using when he talks about the church his, his struggle and his toil is so that the church would be knit together, interwoven, interlaced, connected. Community would be going on at such a, a, a deep level. They'd be knit together in love that it isn't just as easy as you just pull the string and it all becomes unraveled. There's this, there's this great strength that comes when the church is knit together in love. This is what Paul wants to see within his church. And let's look at this is what he's saying. As we turn this chapter, at, right at the turn, Paul is talking about, right, this struggle that he has. The struggle and toil. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, speaking to the church at Colossae, and for those at Laodicea. There's, there's three towns, if you look it up in this Lycus River Valley. We discussed this at the beginning of Colossians. There's these three towns, Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis, that are right there close together within a few miles of each other. And so this letter would have been passed around, and we'll see that at the end of the book, where they're actually going to share these letters around. But he's saying that for all of these that he's never met face to face, he has this great toil, this great struggle. He's expending all of this energy that God graciously gives him to spread the gospel. He wants them to hear what Christ has done. He wants to hear about this supreme Christ who made all things. We spent all this time in chapter 1, right? Christ is the supreme one. 
through whom all things were made. And what does he do with all of that power? He, he, he shows up, he and it gives his life. He delivers us, verse 13 of chapter 1, delivers us from the domain of darkness, transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This message, Paul is toiling, struggling with all the energy God provides that it would be made known. He wants all of those who haven't even seen him face to face to know this Message. He wants them to be, he says, encouraged. I'm struggling for you and for all those at Laodicea and all who have not seen me face to face, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged. That their hearts may be encouraged. Now, this encouraged is not, Paul is not your ordinary motivational speaker. He's not the guy going around just, you know, trying to prop you up with platitudes. You know, you can do it. Uh, you can change the world. Uh, you are enough. None of these are Paul's catchphrases. He doesn't, this isn't the kind of encouragement he's going around uh, spreading people, spreading, uh, spreading around for people to be built up with. That's not his kind of encouragement. Instead, he wants them to be encouraged that, you hearts, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. This knitting together of the church leads to, he goes on, the, the riches of the full assurance of the understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. This is Paul's work. This is his toil. This is his struggle for the encouragement of the church. How? Being knit together. Being knit together. This is a theme that's going to come up many times in the book of Colossians of, of the church being unified around this gospel message. So when we read a text like this, I, I want us to ask a few questions. Are we knit together in this sort of reality? Can we say that this congregation is like an Afghan in being knit together? A blanket, whatever, so you don't want to use the word, you don't want to think, think of Afghans. Are we knit together? What is the intimacy level of this congregation? Are our lives intertwined in that way such that we, it, it, it isn't this easy thing to, to just unravel as we walk away, as we walk away and we become unraveled, or are we knit together? I think one of the one since this, the quarantine, uh, that six weeks that we had to spend apart uh, because of coronavirus was helpful to discern that reality. Those six weeks that we, have been, that we were apart, how difficult was that for us? Was there a longing for your church family? Is there a longing from Sunday to Sunday to see and to be interwoven with those that are in your church family? Are we knit together or is this just a thing we do on Sundays? That's not Paul's dream for the church. He's not toiling and struggling for people to have something to do on a Sunday morning. <laughs> That's not what he's struggling and toiling for. He's struggling and toiling for the gospel message to go forward that people would be encouraged by being knit together as the body of Christ. How intertwined are our lives? Are we knit together? So we can make that judgment kind of 
We can look around. We can think, I don't, how, how knit together are we? But further, you can press, how intertwined are you? Beyond making a judgment for the church as a whole, think for yourself. How intertwined, how are you, are, are you weaved in here? When it comes to you personally, how braided is your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ in this room? If we're to be encouraged by being knit together in love, what about you? Are you knit together with the brothers and sisters in this Christ? When you have a need or a concern, when something goes on in your life, is connecting with this faith family on your list at all? Or is it, is it down the line? Where, where does that really come to the forefront of your mind? Are you weaved in here? Are the people in this faith family the ones that you think of turning to? When you have a problem, when something's going on in your life, when you just got to, I mean, and, and like many of us live around our family still. Uh, I'm a hometown guy, and so when I have problems, I've got, I've got two families really to pull from. You know, I call my brother if I have any mechanical problems. I just call my brother because he can fix it. But there's, there is a, a sense in which what, what Christ builds in his church is to be this group that is knit together in love. That this is the fellowship that we run to. This, these are to be the friendships and the, reality, the, the relationships that we cling to because they are the ones we are woven together into. So are we knit together? Are you weaved in here? And then the third question is, what is the cord that then weaves us all together? And I, a lot of you need to ask this because, I mean, many of you have been here. I mean, you built the building, and you were here before that in the old building. What is the cord? Is it the building that weaves you together here? Is it just these are the people that I've always gone to church with, or this is, this is my parents went to church, and so now this is where I go to church. Or, so for a lot of people, they'll say things like, this is the church I was married in, and so therefore that's why I go to this church. And they have a lot of reasons, you could say, of why this church building is their church. But what is the cord that weaves us together? Paul isn't saying just their geography of being in Colossae. Being strengthened, knitted together, and to be encouraged, knit together in love, this reality of knowing Christ. Is it just our geography? Well, that certainly makes a big difference of whether we can be connected here or not by living here. But we live here with a lot of other people. Is it because you've always just gone here? Is it an attachment to this building? Is it an attachment to this place as your family's church? Paul is not talking about any sort of binding together, just any kind of binding together. What brings the church together is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are knit together in love because this is the place where those who are seeking Jesus to know him, to honor him and glorify him, this is where we gather. And so therefore, the people who are here are on the same mission that I'm on. To make much of Jesus, to know him and to make him known. And so therefore that knits me together in a stronger way than thousands of other connections because this meaning, this purpose that we have binds us together. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we hear in this message of Christ's righteous life and his sacrificial death is this news that God became man to reconcile us back to himself. And we now, by his grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, have forgiveness and then adoption into a family. This makes every Christian the blood brother or sister, the blood of Christ, brother or sister of one another. It's a theme that Paul weaves throughout this letter. No one is a Christian alone. There is no desert island Christianity. There is no single, you know, just me and, you know, no one else. There's this desert island mentality. When Christ saves a person, he saves them into a family. He saves them into an Afghan. <laughs> he saves them into this organism that is meant to be knit together, strengthened by one another, woven together into a tapestry of the love of Christ for his people. Paul goes on into this section and he gives three reasons why this is an important metaphor that we are to be knit together. Three reasons why Christian camaraderie, Christian Knitting together <laughs> is important. I don't mean the, the knitting room, I, although that's, a, I don't, that's not exactly what I'm talking about, Christian knitting, making the, the blankets. But, that's, but uh, Paul goes on, he gives three reasons why it's important for, for this knitting together to happen. This is important, he says right at the beginning, for encouragement. Chapter 2, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged. This is the heartbeat of what he's saying. Think of this church and the difficulties in Colossae that they'd be facing. Think of the difficulty as they, you know, see the birth of, of Christianity in this region and the, the multiplicity of religions that were around there. And as we'll see moving on into this chapter, a lot of false teaching coming in, a lot of false promises, a lot of offers of, of special knowledge and, and, and special Religion that coming towards them, lots of opposing forces coming at this church. They're facing a lot of difficulties, and Paul wants them to be encouraged. This encouragement that they are not alone in the walk of faith. Having been knit together with your brothers and sisters in Christ is meant to be a great encouragement. You are not alone in the walk of faith, you are not alone on this mission. To make Jesus known. It's easy to overlook, but it's so meaningful and important when you, when you need it. I, I, can't, I can't recall the amount of times that I've gone somewhere thinking I'm going to minister to someone else, paying a nice visit with them, and walk away being the one who's received the blessing. Because, because of the knitting together that is there in the body of Christ. I, when I was thinking about it, I, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, I guess, but when, when Louise had all of that, that back issues and was, in, was at nur the nursing home for quite a while, they cleaned out a, a bunch of her stuff and she had a stack of communion prayers that she had written down. She said, well, do you want these? I'm like, well, I'll take them. And, and I, I went and read through them and I've got, I've got one posted in my window beside my desk that I, that I look at and read regularly because I went to that thinking, aren't I going to be a great guy and make Louise's day better? <laughs> and I walked away blessed because of 
the, the beauty of this prayer that she'd written out, just rejoicing in the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ and being on mission, having lives that example the, 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 the grace and mercy of Jesus. That's being knit together in love. What an encouragement it is and should be for us as a church that's knit together. That that's what the encouragement is supposed to, to be about. They're the prayers that come. We, we gather on Wednesday night, end of, the Wednesday, end of the month, Wednesday nights, and have our prayer meeting. And just the prayers, hearing from people for yourself, how meaningful that is. That there are those who know your story, know your struggle, care for you, and are praying for you. The encouragement that comes from being knit together. Just showing up on a Sunday morning and asking simple questions, how's it going? Now, that can be a very surface, silly question. We all know the, the grocery store question. Hey, how's it going? Great, how are you? Good, all right, good seeing you. No, it isn't good seeing you. We were, you ran into them at the grocery store. If it was good to see them, you would have made a point to see them. But, but we are actually gathered here intentionally. And there is something different that comes uh, when the questions ask, how are things at your house this week? When, when people show up this morning, how th they know the, the week that I had a few weeks ago. And they want to know, how are things going this week? It has more meaning. There's encouragement that comes from being knit together. A knowing of the difficulties that come with seeking to live for Jesus. So the importance of being knit together is for encouragement. It's also for protection. You go on down in this verse, the hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's making this point of Christ being as the sovereign over all things, the one who made all things, sustains all things, is going to wrap all things up. Everything is in Christ. All wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ. And he says this, he says, verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. This does, what he's saying there is that there are plausible arguments out there that will tempt you to grab a hold of them. There are plausible arguments out there. People will come to you and say really interesting, really meaningful, really you know, exciting things, plausible arguments that are out there. They are attractive, plausible ideologies and ideas that are out there. And Paul is arguing that Christ, the supreme sovereign of the universe, in him is all wisdom and knowledge. If you want to know and follow, if you want to be, be in the know, follow Jesus. If you want wisdom, listen to Jesus. If you want to follow and listen to Jesus, weave your life together with those who follow and listen to Jesus. You know what a good um, barometer or, or barrier to plausible arguments that aren't true? Bring them up with your Christian friends. You know, I was watching this show and this person said this and it sounded really interesting. And someone in the group says, well, okay, let's look at what the Bible says about that maybe. Or says, well, that's a, that's a load of hooey. I don't know why you're even listening. You know, but there, there is this reality of what comes from being knit together is protection. Protection against all the arguments, all the, the arguments against Christianity, but all the arguments of discouragement and despair. To not trust God. What comes in is this protection. Uh, is, this protection comes being woven together. And I'm just about skipped ahead because the third thing that Paul is talking about 
we are woven together for our encouragement, for our protection, but also for our perseverance. Verse 5, for though I am absent in body, I am present with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. What you need when you are discouraged and dissuaded from the good news of the gospel and the encouragement that it brings, do you know what you need? You need good news people. You need good news people. When you're discouraged of the good news, when, you're, when, you're, when life becomes wearing and, you, and you're getting tired, you're getting, things are getting dark around you, you're getting upset, you're getting worried, you're getting fretful, you know what you need? You need good news people knit together with you who are able to believe God for you, who are able to encourage you with this gospel even in the midst of hard times. Maybe you're upset and someone else is in a moment of grace where they are confident. Maybe you need to hear their encouragement. Maybe they need to hear your difficulty so that they can be encouraged to trust Christ in their own hard times. Firmness of faith in Christ does not occur in a vacuum. It forms as the people of God, by His grace, are sanctified together as they anchor themselves together and to Christ. This is what Paul wants. Encouragement for the church. Protection for the church. Perseverance for the church. How? Being knit together. Being knit together. So it brings us back to our beginning questions. Are you woven into the faith family here? Does the gospel you believe in do powerful enough work to save and secure a united family for their own good and for God's glory? Is the gospel big enough to take us from all different walks of life, all different generations, from the youngest to the oldest? Is the gospel big enough, all different socioeconomic status, all different occupations, different stages of life? Is the gospel big enough to take us from all across the spectrum? Is the gospel big enough and strong enough, to, strong enough to say, in this, we are now family. We are now knit together. Are you in need of encouragement? Get woven into the body of Christ. Are you being tempted with the affairs of this world? Fight alongside other Christians. Link arms and get to work. Are you tired and weak? Confide and rely on a brother or sister here in your faith family. Look around the room. This is built in this awkward way, so you have to look around the room at each other. Are you praying for each other? Are we knit together? Are we caring for one another? Are we loving one another? Are we woven into God's Afghan of love? And I, I, but but see, this, this reality of this interwoven security, safety, and for encouragement, for protection, for perseverance, are we knit together? That is his desire for us. And let's join him in what he is doing. Let's pray. Father, first and foremost, help us to see the gospel. All of this knitting together is not, oh, uh, this can be done over <laughs> all sorts of reasons. People knit their lives together over sports, over musical preferences. They knit their lives together over family dynamics and stages of life and 
all different reasons to knit life together. But what is of supreme importance is, is the gospel. Is there something that can knit us together so strongly that hell itself can't tell, tear us apart? You're building your church. You are weaving your church together and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Father, we pray that here among us, the gospel would be so huge, so strong, so powerful, so rejoiced in that as we, that it, that it weaves our lives together, that we would in this fellowship find encouragement, protection, perseverance as we rejoice together in the gospel. Do that work, God, in our hearts. I pray for conviction in my own heart, in the hearts that are here, in the hearts that are listening, even maybe still online. Bring conviction. Is there a way that we are holding back from being woven in to what you want to do in our lives and in, in the lives of others as we weave together as your church? Bring conviction, God, that we would repent of our standoffishness, if we would repent of our hesitation, we would repent of our isolation, and that we would be woven together, knitted together in love, the love that the gospel puts on full display for us. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.